Welcome back to Dear Old State. I am the athletic college football editor, Matt Brown, with Penn State writer Audrey Snyder. Audrey, we are in almost uncharted waters here. Penn State <laughs> is 0-4 for the second time ever, first time since 2001, trying to avoid 0-5. Did you ever, in your wildest dreams, imagine this is what we would be talking about? In you know, well, November 16th well, is also weird. <laughs> playing football in a pandemic in November, Penn State not going well. Uh, I mean, Matt, this is just it's strange on so many levels. I mean, you know, you think back to I feel like we had eight preseasons this year, but yes. you think back to the preseason, three schedules, these, <laughs> yeah, three schedules. None of these schedules I would have picked Penn State to be 0 and 4. Um, it's a mess. So I guess, I guess we'll start there. Penn state, you know, loses to Nebraska 30 to 23, um, probably the worst second quarter I've seen Penn state play in a very, very long time, maybe ever. Um, but Owen four play Iowa this week. Now you've got a change. It's maybe a change this week. We'll see uh, quarterback after Sean Clifford gets pulled in the second quarter, Ooh, Matt, where do we even start with this offense right now? Oh, well, I think we start with the quarterback since it was, you know, kind of a continuation of the Maryland game, unfortunately. I mean, it's hard to watch. You know, it's not like, you know, anybody's rooting against Sean Clifford. You know, it's just, it's just tough to watch. He can't comes out through a pretty bad interception on uh, – it was Jahan Dotson, Dotson broke toward yeah. the sideline and, and Clifford threw it straight to the defensive back. And then you get – the ball, the, the fumble for a touchdown that he looked like he it kind of got poked up, but it looked like he just dropped like on first glance, and that that was it for him. Five of eight, thirty-seven yards, two two turnovers, one was returned for a touchdown, and it was yeah, it looked like just more of the same, and like the offense was completely broken out of sync. Clifford looked broken, and you know Will Levis was far from perfect. Yeah, I think he's a long way to go as a passer, but. It was something different, and clearly the offense responded, and they didn't make any back-breaking mistakes. They made plenty of mistakes. It just wasn't a turnover. <laughs> and the, the other thing, too, with, with Clifford, um, the one play, I was I was at home in State College watching the game in 4K, by the way, Matt. That was a pretty fun experience. Um, it was very nice. And uh, watching – just watching Clifford, he never looks comfortable, but the one clip of Brenton Strange wide open in the end zone. Yes. Now – I always am trying to be, obviously you're always trying to be fair in this business and you know, you don't know what Sean is seeing, not seeing when he's on the move, but I mean, there was nobody within several yards of Brenton strange. And well, that's the problem right there. We don't, we don't know what he's been seeing all right. year because the field vision has been clearly kind of an issue. And it's just, it's such a mess. And you know, to, to Clifford's credit, because I know everybody seemingly, especially on <laughs> online where we always hear the most vocal part of the fan base, it seems uh, everybody wants to pile on Sean Clifford and to his credit, he gets pulled. Will Levis goes in and Levis said, listen, Sean was tremendous on the sideline. He's helping me between series, things that he's maybe noticing with the defense that maybe I'm going to see. Um, so, you know, again, this, this guy's your captain, one of your captains. So there's still that leadership aspect to Sean Clifford of, you know, it's killing him to get pulled from a game. Absolutely. Totally the right call for Penn State should have happened. I would make the argument a week ago against Maryland, but there's still, he has to be that guy, has to have that presence on the sideline. And, you know, 
James Franklin was not going to name a starting quarterback after that. He said so post-game, which I get it. You're not going to come out and tell us first Absolutely. before you tell Sean Clifford. Totally, totally understand. Not a surprise there, but Will Levis has to be your guy moving forward. Uh, I mean, Sean Clifford, nine touchdowns to six interceptions this year. As you said, Matt, the offense looked better. Um, now, the theme with this team, <laughs> these these first half holes that they've been digging themselves in uh, four first halves this season. Penn State's been outscored 93 to 26. Uh, really just baffling when you you know think about it that way. But the defense has had its share of flaws and we'll get into that later too. But I just, I think right now you at least, and what I wrote Saturday off the game is I think Penn State took some steps in the right direction by removing Sean Clifford, giving Levis an opportunity and also reshuffling that offensive line. We saw Caden Wallace make his first career start at right tackle. Will Fries bumped inside from right tackle to right guard. CJ Thorpe bounced out of the starting lineup. And he did play, but he might not have helped himself earn any more playing time in the future with the uh, personal foul penalty there in the first half. Part of that really, really bad second quarter that, <laughs> that I mentioned earlier. It's just... It's baffling to see the, the first half starts kind of on both sides of the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the defense has played really well. We'll get to the defense, but like it's played well in the second half the past couple of weeks. They haven't given up a touchdown on defense the last couple of weeks. The only touchdown was uh, a defensive touchdown for Maryland last week. Yeah. But the offense is not, you know, it's just these bad starts, the mistakes. You know, I was encouraged by the running game a little bit. I thought the running backs easily played their best game on Saturday. Uh, you know, Devin Ford yeah. looked like he was running a little bit harder. They broke some uh, tackles, know, were, right? right? We heard exactly. so really, much all week. They got to break some tackles. James yeah, Franklin kept saying, and they did. They, yeah, they were tentative. They just, you know, didn't look like they had any kind of like aggressiveness with the running game. And I think we saw a little bit of that on Saturday. Devin Ford certainly, you know, he only averaged four point one yards per carry, long of eleven, but he had a couple of plays where he, he drug defenders forward and made a nice plays after contact, which we haven't seen as much from him. You know, Kaziah Holmes at four carries, 50 yards, had a big 36-yarder. Kevon Lee at the 31-yard touchdown. Levis ran 18 times for 61 yards. You know, mixed results, I'd say, but still some success. So at least there was that. You know, the offensive line showed some signs, The some signs. Certainly not in the red zone. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Yeah, the red zone. What a, so what a mess that I, was. I think we can move into the red zone, mm-hmm. which was costing the game. I mean – they had chances to win the game. They were in the red zone six times. They scored one touchdown. You know, you can cite red zone scoring percentage. Oftentimes what's more meaningful is touchdown percentage. And the only touchdown in six red zone trips came when the red zone possession started at the one yard line after Pat Fryermuth was tackled at the one on that big. The play of the season for the offense from Will Levis. I'm going to debate that. The play of the season was Jahan Dawson's one-handed catch. Oh, you know, that's right. I didn't even think of the one-handed catch. I thought right away to the big play at Indiana. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, but, but still, Frymuth was wide open, but Levis made that play happen by getting Jukes the pressure. Um, big arm, yeah. It, I felt like that was kind of, that play was everything that you wanted to see from Will Levis, right? Because I think everybody thinks of him, and rightfully so, as that big body battering ram. He's going to come in, run the ball, and he's got the big arm. That's what we kept hearing about. Uh, we really hadn't seen much of it, but he makes that play. And to your point, Matt, about the red zone touchdown percentage, uh, Penn state on the season, red zone touchdown percentage, 42%, which is 12th in the big 10. So, you know, yes, okay. we can, we can point to Saturday being abysmal in that regard, but 
this this speaks to a bigger problem. And the quote that I go back to is what James Franklin said after the game. And I think it really speaks to just how much this offense is struggling. And Franklin said afterward, Saturday afternoon, red zone offense is about running the ball and being detailed in the passing game. All the windows are shrunk down. So it magnifies. It magnifies if you're good in the red zone and passing offense. And it magnifies if you've got some things to work on. So yeah, touchdown percentage 12th in the Big Ten. We know where Penn State stands on the side of that. They got a lot of work to do. I mean, it was just there were multiple times. Well, obviously there were multiple times, but just like sometimes it was just kind of baffling. I mean, the fade. What about the fade? They, well, yeah, <laughs> we got the fades, which are low percentage. Uh, Penn State doesn't really. I mean, John Dotson, we know can go up and get it, but mm-hmm. it's not like Penn State is throwing to you know big receiver like Parker Washington's five ten. Exactly. So, you know, they had the one drive where they're down 27-13, starting to rally. Levis leads them on a nice drive down the field. They get to the seven. Will Levis up the middle, no gain. Kevon Lee up the middle, no gain. Will Levis, loss of three. It's like Levis is moving the ball. You know, they completed some passes. And then it's just, well, let's just run up the middle three times. And they have to settle for a 27-yard field goal. Turns out that's pretty big, pretty big in a game that ends up being a seven-point game. Uh, and then... You know, they scored a touchdown the next drive after uh, the Friarmuth 74-yard catch. But then their last two drives, of course, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, where I uh, don't – it was like Levis, like, missed, like, his, like, last seven passes in the red zone. And they the won last two, of course, just on the got – yeah. The last two just, you know, got – Never even got uh, a chance. <laughs> never had a chance with the pressure. So it's just uh, – yes, it, it is – more difficult sometimes to operate your offense in the red zone it has to be a different offense it's it's it's, and you're playing with it's still pretty inexperienced quarterback in Will Levis but I mean it was just a mess from start to finish in the red zone I mean it's it's now a trend this year and you know the play calling has just been leave left a lot to be desired you know run up the middle throw fades it's like where where's the creativity it just seems so how much of this uh how much of this offense is blended matt because i clearly i mean we had issues with the fades last year if you go back to that uh, minnesota game and everybody kind of kept pointing to that right the um the hamler play and that was the old offense um we know this is supposed to be this blended offense and I still wonder, you know, what is, if you could put a percentage on it, how much of this is Kirk Shiraka running the show? How much of this is other concepts from before? And, and we don't know, and we'll never, we'll probably never find that out. But I do think, um, again, I mean, the, the fourth and five pass Levis to Keandre Lambert Smith, really nice adjustment on the ball by Lambert Smith. That was a big moment for him. Uh, again, I mean, your receiving court is not the yeah. problem, which is just, it speaks to this, just how strange this season is. For the most part. I yeah. still think there's times where they don't get it. It can be better. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. still think there's times when they're not getting open consistently enough, mm-hmm. but then sometimes it's like, all right, we're not watching like the coach's film. It's, right. you know, is Clifford seeing the field? Is Will Levis seeing the field? Cause I don't think, you know, I wouldn't say Will Levis is, you know, seeing the field great either. Um, a lot of times it's kind of one read and run or things like that. But for, for sure, I think the receiving core has been, you know, Parker Washington looks like the real deal. Five catches, 70 yards. You know, Jahan Dotson had a really quiet game. Levis didn't look his way a lot. Yeah. But Washington and Lambert Smith combined for eight catches for 105 yards. Pretty solid. So definitely something to work with. They still need depth to show up. Uh, we haven't seen much from anybody beyond those three Yeah, receivers. Daniel George. Daniel George Jeff had Sullivan one catch, Brown. six yards. Yeah. But, 
you know, TJ Jones, we saw briefly last week, Cam Sullivan Brown. We don't really know what's happening there. You know, it's never a good sign, Matt, when I'm sitting here Sunday doing my game analysis, rewatch breakdown, and I have to write notes to myself and say, was, was TJ Jones on the participation port was Cam Sullivan Brown on the participation port, you know, and I did see Daniel George in the game. And those guys did play, but it just speaks to they're not making plays. And we saw Brenton Strange. We continue to see him more and more. Uh, we have not seen Zach Koontz. Um, clearly, that there's that number two job belongs to Brenton Strange, and, and it looks like it absolutely should. And uh, the thing there, he had a nice block, too, Strange did. Um, I just – Pat Fryermuth, we saw a drop in this game. He had won the week before. Uh, there are a couple moments where if you really want to nitpick – drives that are stalling and bottoming out. Of course, the turnovers are the big reason. Uh, but, you know, I think th- there's more that they can get out of Fryermuth. But, um, yeah, absolutely. That last play, I had asked Will Levis uh, afterward, you know, what was supposed to happen, you know, on that that final fourth down play where, I mean, he gets drilled and, you know, it never had a shot. But they did want to look for Jahan Dotson in the back of the end zone. So that's what they wanted. But, again, Matt, I mean, it's it's amazing that, this was still a one possession game in the fourth quarter, considering how it looked in the first half. And we've asked James Franklin, we've asked all the players about both sides of the ball, these slow starts and what can you do to fix it? And I mean, nobody can figure it out. I think that's probably the the biggest issue here. I mean, besides the turnovers, they say that they're doing everything right in practice that, you know, they had this issue in 2016 and they went and changed up practices and started with competitive periods to, try and get guys involved early. And it, to me, the baffling part of all of this is that you talk to players on both sides of the ball and they don't know what to say. They don't know what the answer is. And it really doesn't seem like anyone here knows how they're going to fix this other than, you know, you got to find a way to win a ball game. And right now this just looks like a team that doesn't know how to win. And, you know, James Franklin had made mention that, they're not creating a lot of takeaways. I mean, they're minus six in the turnover margin. So you're not creating a lot of takeaways. You're turning the ball over a ton. I mean, that's just a bad recipe right there. I mean, that's that's how you get the 0-4. I mean, has there been more than five minutes where both the offense and defense were playing well at the same time? Like, I've been in the fourth the quarter, maybe. Yeah. It was probably it was the same thing in the opener against Indiana. I mean, you know, the offense started out with a nice drive and then went silent and then the defense you know, the defense, when it needed to get a stop at the end, couldn't get it. It's just, there's nothing working together, it seems. Complimentary like football, football, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, and, you know, the defense came out seemingly totally unprepared for Luke McCaffrey to start. And, yeah. you know, credit to Nebraska, you know, going with McCaffrey, clearly right now looks like the better option than, than Martinez. And they came out, they pushed the tempo, they did some things, they caught Penn State off guard and scored 27 points in the first half. And, well, 20, that, 20 points by the offense because, yeah. you know, we, we got to give give the defense some slack for points that is not their, their responsibility. Not their fault. But it's just, you know, they, they've looked out of position. They've looked, you know, not not ready to play, unprepared, not physical enough. And then they come out in the second half and Nebraska had drives of 24 yards, punt, one yard, punt, 163 yard drive that ended in a field goal. And then there's a 17 yard drive that ended in the interception, a five play drive that ended in a punt, and then it's the end of the game. So Nebraska's offense did nothing in the second half beyond one 10 play drive for a field goal, which, okay, one, one drive. So, you know, credit the defense for adjusting. And, you know, they ultimately only gave up 23 points themselves, which should be enough for, for Penn State to, to win. 
but still it's, you know, time and time again. Now we saw it, you know, against Ohio state, the first drive was a mess. You know, they were instantly in a 14 Oh hole. We saw it against Maryland. They were like instantly, what, 14, three, I think, or 14. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, gave up a lot of points early in the first, first quarter. And it's just, you know, they're giving up big plays, gave up some big plays again. And they've, they've just come out kind of, I don't know. They look more unprepared and and sorry, it was 14, nothing in the Maryland game. It was 21, nothing. Um, Give the chirps some credit. (laughs) Um, So, but to your point though, Matt, about them not being prepared, I, the point you make is really interesting about McCaffrey playing and Adrian Martinez because that came up post game a little bit and talking with Jesse Lucetta, they weren't sure who was going to start at quarterback, which to me is interesting because talking with our Nebraska writer, Mitch Sherman throughout the week, um, Mitch thought it was very clear. Hey, it looks like this, you know, this is going to be the guy, the offense looks much better with him. Like, I don't understand how they were surprised by that. Because like this to me goes back to preparation. Like what, I don't know what they thought was going to happen, but it's just, it seems like if it's so obvious to us on the outside, what in the world's going on over in that building. And, you know, again, I mean, Penn state, this is, I think a really, really baffling stat. Uh, Penn state's offense has run 184 plays in these last two games. Right. So they've run 63 more plays than their opponents in that span yet they've been outscored 65 to 42 in those games. I mean, that's, it's really, it's just insane when you look at how this team got to this point. Uh, But again, Matt, you know, can we, can we look at the first half of this game and say, wow, Penn state looks better in any area. And that's the problem, right? Like you repeatedly make the same mistakes. You keep, at least for the first half, you kept trotting out the same quarterback. He kept turning the ball over your defense kept coming out, digging you in a hole. Uh, it's just, it's been the same thing week after week. And that's where I totally understand where all the frustrations are coming from with the fan base um, because it, it's nothing really has, has changed. And we, we did not get an answer to this. Um, why Penn state attempted a 56 yard field goal uh, at the start of the third quarter. And uh, Greg Pickle from Penn live, who was out there said that, yes, that was indeed into the wind. That's a, I mean, that's got to be asked about, you know, fourth and eight at the Nebraska 39 and you attempt that. I mean, I get it. Stout has a big leg, but what in the world are you doing? Like, there's just some of these moments where you're cutting a 27 to six lead to a 27 to nine lead. If you get that, what does that matter? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I really, some of the things that they do, some of these decisions, they're head scratchers. And that's where we can point to offense, defense, special teams. Uh, Stout also kicked the ball out of bounds. Um, and shank to punt not a great day for him after Jake Pinnaker had a good day after Pinnaker's but really really inconsistent this year but I mean the coaching staff again uh, has been underwhelming and I asked James Franklin after the game um, very bluntly how would you assess the job that Brent Pry has done with this defense through four games and uh, it didn't seem like Franklin was kind of anticipating that sort of question because it is kind of the question that more so someone would ask on a Tuesday but, you know, you're at this point and you keep digging yourself in, in these holes. And Franklin said that, you know, the bottom line is they all need to be better. Right. And that's that's the issue here, because every week we hear the same thing and you see the product on the field and it looks very much the same. And 
So Franklin's response was, you know, all of us, the head coach and every assistant, every person in the program, obviously we're not doing a good enough job. Uh, that's all of us. It starts with me and every single area uh, we can be better. We all got to do our jobs, but I also know over not only the last seven years here at Penn state, but over the last 10 years, we've played good defense around here. They're not playing good defense right now. Definitely not in the first half games. Definitely not consistent defense. We can say yeah. that. I mean, we've, we saw, you know, Jason, we've been waiting for like the game changing play for Jason Owe and he kind of made it, it seems mm-hmm. with, he forced that interception that Brandon Smith ended yes. up with. Like that was all Owe making that. And he had again, tied for the team lead with nine tackles. Hasn't had a sack yet, but one and a half tackles for loss. Uh, I think Owe is second on the team in tackles right now, which is pretty unusual for defensive end, but kind of speaks yeah, to his well, skill set. And if you notice, Matt, on the the forty five yard touchdown, uh, it, yeah. it was Owe, and we've seen this over the last couple of weeks. Owe trucking down the field trying to make a tackle uh, again. And I, I made mention of this during the game. That's not where you want to see Jason Owe's four three speed chasing a guy from behind for forty plus yards because the rest of the defense whiffed. Um, but the guy consistently has a motor. The guy hasn't quit. Uh, and that's a credit to him because there's not a whole lot really to like when you see a defense that's, that's giving up these big plays. And again, I mean, they just, they keep adding to it. This defense has given up touchdowns this season now of 26, 49, 42, 62, 38, 34, and now 45 yards. I mean, it's, it's a problem. So but ultimately, then, <laughs> the weird thing here is that for the second game this year, Penn State gave up fewer than 300 yards. Yeah, badly. <laughs> Which, so, Indiana game, they give up 211, Nebraska 298. I looked up on sports reference. So, since 2000, probably ever, based on the way offense has gone over time, uh, Penn State's had two losses in which it, gave, it finished with over 450 yards of offense and gave up fewer than 300 yards of offense. And those were, of course, two of the four games this year, which is pretty wild. And it speaks to just, you know, okay, the Ohio State game, they got beat. Maryland game, they got beat. The Indiana and Nebraska games, yes, they lost. They're also like really weird, almost fluky games if you look at the numbers. Like Mm -hmm. uh, Bill Connolly from from ESPN, I mentioned this after the Indiana game, and he did it again after the Nebraska game here. Uh, He said that based on the – you know, yards, turnovers, things like that. Penn State's post-game win expectancy for the Nebraska game was 83%. <laughs> Indiana game was 95%. Yeah. So to quote him from his article on ESPN, which means that there was a 79% chance of winning both of those games and only a 1% chance of losing both of them based on the numbers. And here and they Penn are. Penn State somehow <laughs> lost both of them, which is why a weird thing about this year is, like, if you look at the advanced stats, Penn State is still like, and, you know, Bill at ESPN, like he does incorporate preseason projections that gradually get phased out. So that's part of this. But Penn State is still 16th in SP plus at 0-4. Uh, and we saw that. I mean, I think the point spread this weekend's Iowa we'll get to, but opened yeah. at even. Um, so like the numbers still kind of like Penn State. They're 23rd in ESPN's FPI. Like those are predictive rankings. So it's, it's a really, really, really weird situation where like the numbers say Penn State should be two and two with you know a loss to a really good team and just a a terrible performance against Maryland but ultimately that's not going to satisfy anybody they found ways to lose these games it's it's nobody's fault but Penn State's (laughs) or although I mean I you I guess you could say the officials for the Indiana game like we it's almost getting lost now that came down to an inch but it shouldn't even gotten to that point based on the way that game went and this game 
it, it's weird to say that their like win expectancy would be that high given that they were coming from coming back from a huge deficit. But I mean, they kind of dominated the second half, and you have the you add in the the Clifford fumble for a touchdown and a bad interception, and it's just turnovers, big plays on defense, and it adds up to zero and four instead of you know two and two. People wouldn't be happy, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. Zero and four is. Penn State is on the verge of doing something it has literally never done if it loses to Iowa and goes 0-5. And that's uh, that's going to be what we're all writing about looking at this week. I mean, I just – I know there's a lot of clamoring, and there has been for several weeks about, you know, James Franklin's lost this team. They quit. Um, I, I, I don't think it's that. I mean, they I just quit think – the second that, half. That's yeah, sure. I mean, like, look at how they've come back. Like, I just – they're not very good. I mean, that's the – you're not playing good football <laughs> Blunt, right now. but accurate. <laughs> like, that's the reality of this, you know? Like, you just look at it and you say, like, okay, you can't win when your quarterback's turning the ball over that often. And absolutely, they have to start Will Levis uh, this week. To me, it's it's not even a question. And, you know, James Franklin afterward kept pointing to the turnovers. And this is the problem. It's the turnovers. Well – you know, obviously the commonality there, again, he's never going to throw anybody under the bus, nor should he as the leader of the, of the team. Um, but but that's on Sean Clifford and those those turnovers that a second year starter just cannot make. And I don't know, I mean, long term, right? It, it now looks like you have to fix Sean Clifford. There has to be some, somehow, some way, Kirk Scirocco, the quarterback whisperer who we all thought was going to elevate Sean Clifford to this other level, somehow now he's got to fix him because he looks broken and, and it just looks so bizarre. It's such a step backwards for him individually. Uh, but you, again, you look at, okay, well, Levis, like this should be very well, probably will be your offense. Now go lead the troops, go rally the troops. And I was asking a lot of the players on the zoom Saturday about, you know, what's Levis like in the huddle, what's his command like. And, you know, they, they seem to think he's fine. Now, I did think, Matt, and I wrote about this on a couple of my pieces up on The Athletic this weekend, Will Levis said that Sean Clifford was getting the first team reps in practice last week, which, again, not a surprise to me. He's the starting quarterback. Uh, Levis said he got very few reps with the ones. That part is interesting to me because I understand you want to keep giving Clifford the reps, hoping that maybe somehow in practice they'll find a way to turn this offense around and translate it to a game on Saturday. But Sean Clifford has looked bad for, you know, those three plus games, right? This wasn't just one bad game against Maryland that led to this. The fact that the coaching staff, the fact that Clifford had that big of a leash that Levis wasn't even getting first team reps in practice, that to me again falls, you know, at the feet of the coaching staff. And that's a blunder. I mean, you look at some of the issues that the offense did have with Levis in the second half and he was asked, you know, do you think any of this is different if you get reps with these first team receivers throughout the week? And, Levis wasn't going to throw anybody under the bus, but you do wonder about that. And it's a very fair point. I think a fair criticism of this coaching staff that it took Sean Clifford absolutely forcing their hand by, you know, two, two takeaways uh, by the time you're early on in the second quarter to pull him out of a game that they were going to let this thing kind of linger on forever and see if it could rectify itself. And that to me, the, the distribution of reps in practice, I thought was really interesting. Now, before people start wondering and asking this week, because I'm sure they will, no, the media will not, we're not at practice at all this year. So I can't tell you, you know, who's taking those reps with the first team uh, when Penn State gets out on the practice field Tuesday or Wednesday. We won't be able to see any of that, uh, but that certainly is going to be a, a point of emphasis this week. 
Well, it's our first, what, in-season quarterback controversy at Penn State since uh, the season nobody really wants to remember. Talk about, which is 2011 with Holden and McGloin, which was a mess, even though that team had a good record for most of that year. Um, Yeah, they they didn't have a losing record throughout the sanctions, Matt, and now now that could come into play. So this is just kind of unfamiliar territory for Penn State, for James Mm -hmm. Franklin. I mean, they've talked about, you know, quarterback competitions in off season, but there hasn't been one. There hasn't been any doubt about the starting quarterback during a season under James Franklin. No. And now, you know, we assume that Will Levis has to get a chance at least against Iowa. And, you know, it's not saying that Sean Clifford is permanently benched. I mean, it just feels like it should be a competition now and, and give Levis a chance against Iowa. Cause you know, what are they gonna do? Lose another game? Like <laughs> their own four, like, you know, it's now trying to just, find possible solutions, build for the future. See what I will say this minute. If Will Levis does not start <laughs> on Saturday, it is a massive, massive, massive blunder. I agree. And I that agree. to me is a moment where you say James Franklin might lose this team because you know, you can't preach like they do right all throughout the building, the science compete and everything you do a core, you know, a core value. And you can't keep trotting out a quarterback who turns the ball over. I mean, that is just inexcusable. And if that happens, Oh boy. Yeah. The things, uh, things will get even more tense around here from the fan base, even uglier. I don't um, think it's going to happen. I, 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 just... I think, yeah, I think James Franklin, his point after the game very much, he, listen, nobody's trying to go out there and lose. I mean, they, they understand, you know, this is where jobs and livelihoods are at stake. I mean, you know, this is what this thing has come down to. And I think it was just a very polite way of saying, Hey, I'm not going to do anything and officially pull Sean until I talk to him myself, you know? And, I get it. I understand it. But yeah, if, if for some reason uh, that, that happens Saturday, who boy, there will be sparks flying out of the Beaver stadium press box. I am sure. Well, we have Penn state, Iowa three thirty Eastern time on Saturday, Iowa comes in two and two this year, a terrible start. They lost close games to Purdue and Northwestern. And this is coming off of a pretty tumultuous off season as well for the Hawkeyes under Kirk parents. Yeah. Now they've, Battled back here with blowout wins over Michigan State 49 to 7 and Minnesota 35 to 7. It can be hard to get a read on some of these teams and some of these games, as we know all too well watching Penn State. But the Big Ten is just a very weird league right now. Minnesota <laughs> looks awful. Michigan State beat Michigan, but looks awful. But of course, Michigan also looks awful. Yeah. Penn State looks awful. Iowa... Penn State, Michigan in two weeks, Matt. Get ready for that one at the empty big house. Boy, boy, that's well, going to be a good one. All right, so will Penn State have a win going into that one is the Ooh. question. And I... Iowa is, well, it's it's Iowa. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're a physical team. They they ran the ball well this week. They're, they've not been explosive at all in the passing game. You know, they beat Minnesota 35-7 to seven, uh, on Friday. And uh, – Spencer Petrus, the quarterback, went 9 of 18, 111 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So their offense really has not been explosive. They ran the ball, though, with uh, for 235 yards against the Gophers. Minnesota has a pretty broken defense. Penn State certainly has a better defense than Minnesota does, at least when it's playing at its – At least defense. for a half of a game. <laughs> yeah. So, like, for Penn State's defense in this one, it's not that concerned about the big plays in the passing game because I don't know that Iowa can do that. But we know what Iowa is going to be. We know that they're going to have a physical offensive line. We know they're going to try to run the ball. And, you know, Penn State needs to step up and be physical, which I think that's also been a problem this year on on defense. Yeah, and tackling's been an issue. And James Franklin mentioned that Saturday night. And he said, you know, tackling's been problematic with this defense since week one. Uh, So, 
you know, here, here you are again, guys taking bad angles. And um, I will put this out there because we, we did not see Tariq Castro fields on the field Saturday. Um, it's, he was at the game. It's unclear why he didn't play. And we didn't even get a chance to ask James Franklin about that. Uh, post. It was like a reverse of the Keaton Ellis situation. Like, yeah. So not, Keaton Ellis <laughs> starts. Rules. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what's what's going on there, but it will certainly be asked about this week. Um, but I mean, otherwise, I just think this this defense, you're waiting for them to make big plays, right? You're waiting for something to change, something to swing there. Um, Shaka Tony has not been nearly the factor so far that we thought he'd be. Um, I know people keep asking, is is he hurt? Is he is something wrong? I don't know. Um, I mean, he's out there, he's playing. Uh, but I think, too, you look at this linebacking core and you finally saw, you know, Ellis Brooks get home. What we thought was going to be was a critical play, but we thought maybe it would be a play that would change things uh, Saturday against Nebraska. But Brandon Smith gets the interception. But you're just waiting for somebody to take over a game back there. Um, you know, you're, you're thinking that they expected Brisker was going to be the ball hawk, that they were going to get a lot of takeaways from them. And it just hasn't been the case. So I just now wonder. Uh, if Castro Fields will be available this week, because then you'd have to see him go back in the starting lineup. But Keaton Ellis is back now, so <laughs> whatever was going on there uh, that we you know, we hadn't seen him, that's now something. At least he's back in the fold. But I, I guess that's the other point, Matt. I mean, this is this defense is relatively healthy, right? I mean, that's you know we can point to the offense and say, okay, they have the injuries there, this and that, but we can't say, Oh, the defense is struggling because they're missing X, Y, and Z. You know, Parsons has been gone for months now. Yes, it stinks, but that can't be an excuse every week. Somebody on this defense or a few people have to step up and kind of take ownership of this thing and and try to rectify some of what's going wrong. Because if you come out again with another slow start on both sides of the ball against Iowa, I, I just, I don't know how you, how you even try to change it at that point. You know, to me, it's right now, this team is what it is. And you got to Owen four with so many flaws and every week you have the opportunity to change that. And the players keep saying, Oh, it starts with preparation throughout the week. So I don't know, Matt, maybe this week it changes, but I've said it before. I am not going to pick Penn state to win a game until they prove me wrong. So. <laughs> well, Iowa and Penn state, I, the line I saw at an opening line on Sunday was a pick them with an over-under of 45 and a half, which, yeah, sounds about right. I think it's one of the lowest totals on the board. Um, <laughs> Iowa leads the Big Ten in yards per play defense. They're giving up just 4.2 yards per play. You know, even in their two losses, they gave up 24 points to Purdue, 21 to Northwestern, and now back-to-back seven-point games against Michigan State and Minnesota. So they haven't given up more than – they give up 386 yards to Purdue, otherwise 273, 286, 312. So Iowa's defense, you know, again, this is this is not an unusual Iowa team. You know, their passing game has been limited, uh, you know, physical. We know they're going to be solid on the offensive line. They've been very good defensively so far. So it's certainly, you throw Will Levis out there, it's, it's going to be a difficult challenge for Penn State's offense. So, you know, me, I, I think I'm going to do the opposite of you. You know, they're going to win a game at some point. I don't think they're going to go winless. <laughs> I think also that they've been – they've been bad again let's just be yeah. blunt they've been bad but also like everything has broken against penn state I, know yeah. I talked about it with the indiana and nebraska games it's just like at some point they're going to complete a pass in the red zone at some point they're going <laughs> to stop having turnovers go for touchdowns at some point you know they're going to 
win a play by an inch instead of losing the game by an inch. You know, it's just yeah. everything is going to, everything is going wrong. You know, whether it's Michael Parsons opting out, Journey Brown now, unfortunately, having medically retired. retired, Noah Kane going out on the first drive. It's just everything has gone wrong. At some point, something is going to break right against Iowa. That means there's going to be a safety involved probably. So my prediction this week is Penn State 15, Iowa 13. Penn State wins on a safety. (laughs) A very Big Ten kind of game. Um, Yeah, I mean, the fact that Penn Penn State... State, Iowa, you have to pick a weird score. Like, you're legally obligated if you have a podcast. You need to. I mean, Penn State, the fact that they haven't played themselves into a noon kick for this one is is (laughs) kind of surprising. Um, But actually, Matt, one of the things I want to see, because you know how much I love running back depth chart uh, things. It's it's kind of my, my deal here. But uh, Keevon like Lee, last year now. it does. Yeah. Keevon like the Lee beginning was, of last year, the first half of last year. Yeah. The first half when it was the, the Noah Kane, which by the way, Noah Kane made his first uh, career start last year against Nebraska, which, or I'm sorry, against uh, Iowa, which feels like it was 12 years ago. But Keevon Lee was the second running back in against Nebraska. Keziah Holmes then had that 36 yard run in the second quarter, which was the longest rushing play by Nittany Lion this season. Um, that or dividing those two on the depth chart is really, really interesting to me behind Devin Ford. So again, your running backs were a bright spot Saturday. I want to see if they can kind of continue to get them rolling. If they can They're keep the need ground game Iowa, going. I feel like. And let's be honest, Matt. I mean, we're this season's going to drag on right through December. Weather is going to start to get bad. You have to be able to consistently run the ball in this conference. Uh, and so that's, you know, to me, I, I want to see that depth back there, but I'm not going to pick the Nittany Lions until they prove me wrong. So I'm going to go with, let's see, Iowa 27, Penn State 23. So nothing nothing too crazy from me. Um, I have not looked ahead to see the weather forecast in State College for Saturday, but just stepping outside my door this morning, um, it is cold. It, it feels like we've arrived at mid-November. So it is prime big 10 football season and uh, i'm not going to pick penn state to win though matt but i want to see these uh these running backs and of course uh what in the world penn state gets out of will levis this week that is that's the storyline for the week all right it is monday morning when i'm looking this up and state college actually looks like a nice day right now on saturday uh, how nice matt. four and partial sunshine Break out so, the shorts, yeah. Considering it says 40 in a rain or snow shower on Tuesday, it'd be a quite an improvement for you. So, Oh, great. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> so it could actually be a, kind of a, a nice fall day for Penn State, Iowa on Saturday. We shall see. We'll see what we have to talk about next Monday on Dear Old State. It's been, a, it's been an eventful season, we can say that. It's just been eventful in kind of all the wrong ways for Penn State. Uh, so it's certainly been interesting. We've had to talk about it in ways we did not think we would have to talk about this season. That is for sure. So, uh, Audrey, you're, you'll have, of course, articles all week up on The Athletic. Everybody, please check those out. Please, we know it's a, t- we know it's a tough season, but we appreciate everybody for hanging in and listening to us. And, uh, you know, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. We really appreciate that. Appreciate anybody with the kind words there. So, we will see. Can Penn State avoid 0-5 for the first time ever? Find out Saturday, Penn State, Iowa. Either way, we will be back on Zero State next Monday. Thanks for listening, everybody.